up, everybody? Welcome to Working On It, a podcast that follows creatives, makers, and doers working on projects between and after hours. I'm Gemma DeLog, and I'm with Jack Chacon, my awesome co-host. Hey, what's up, everybody? This week, we do have a special episode. Today's guest is entrepreneur and PA realtor, Elliot Broster. He's the owner of Smokes and Things and 211 Hookah Lounge here in Philly. He's also the co-founder of X Entertainment, and he's only 23. Hey, Elliot, how are you? I'm good. What's going on, guys? What's up? Did I say your last name right? Yep, Broster. Broster, Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So, Elliot, as we've seen for the past week or so, there have been a lot of protests happening even worldwide across the country in response to police brutality after the recent murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Um, In the midst of these protests, we have also seen some rioting and looting happening all over. Uh, In the lootings that happened here in Philly, your business was kind of caught in the crossfire, which I'm so sorry to hear. Uh, So we wanted to pull you in, talk to you about what happened, how you're building the business back up and how that process has been like. Uh, But before we begin, can you tell us more about yourself and your business and, well, businesses? (laughs) I mean, I think you kind of covered everything in your intro. (laughs) I don't know how much more, but yeah, I'm I'm a 23-year-old entrepreneur from Philly. Honestly, I'm gonna call myself an entrepreneur. I'm just a hustler trying to make it. Uh, I, I grew up in North Philly. I traveled from North Philly to the suburbs. My mom actually moved this out early on, and I kind of got the best of both worlds, the city aspect and the suburban. So from that, I got a really good knowledge of people, different people, and how they interact and how they react to different situations. So I think that actually played a huge part in how like, I run my businesses and how I operate as a person. So aside from the businesses, I think that was one of, one of, one of my like greatest like attributes to growing up as a kid and how I implement them towards my hustle. So mm-hmm. we can jump right into like the businesses. When I was eight, I started like my first small business. I was just trapping candy at school and I was known as the snack man, basically. Lunchtime came around, I had all the cakes, cookies, and pies. <laughs> like, and then as it grew, as like I grew up, it just started to get bigger and bigger. And then I started my other company called Designer Drop. Uh, that was another small business that I did. And I would just buy and sell high designer clothes. It's like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, a couple Rolexes and things like that. And even Ralph Lauren, I would just, honestly, I'll give you guys some game right here. So this is what kind of the podcast is about. That was one of the easiest business I started. I literally would just go into Marshall's on like delivery day and just run through the racks and buy them at X amount of dollars. And then uh, put them right, upload them right on the Facebook store, let go, things like that. And like my own like personal like network and I would just move product on a daily something as simple as that that's how like my first started and then from there uh that was I did that around like college and like freshman year that was kind of like my thing is like my little hustle to like make ends meet as a student and then I got the opportunity to do smoke some things and that was amazing (laughs) like Never in the million years that I think that I'll be starting like my first actual storefront business. At I started that when I was twenty two ish, yeah, so around like twenty two. And how that came about was my girlfriend, her dad, he actually owns a smoke shop, so he basically became my mentor in this whole thing. And what he did was he just gave me the opportunity. He said, "You can take it or you can leave it. You can do whatever you want with it, but it's on the table." And what I did was I took the entire year. It was about, it took me about a year and a half to pretty much learn the entire business. Being that I don't really smoke myself, I'll, I'll do hookah, as, as uh, Gemma said, I own a hookah lounge. And that's really about it. So I had to learn a bunch about glassware, different cleaners, trays. Uh, not only that, I had to learn a ton about leasing. I had to learn a ton about just operating a store. And luckily, I went to Temple University and I had a ton of mentors there as well. They kind of helped me along the way, filled me in. And then that learning curve from my mentor actually helped me pretty much built the foundation of how I could become 22 and run a profitable, successful business. And I, I, I don't know, guys, it was just, it was just a rush. It was amazing. And that's when like, I lived, like really fell in love with like pure entrepreneurship and running a business. So it's, it's literally, I call it the foundation. This is, this is just the foundation. This is just the start. Awesome. Yes. I'm 23 right now. And there's so much more time in my lifetime, God willingly, for me to do so many other great things. So that's really where the businesses came into play in a nutshell. I know I went through that really quickly, but that's how it all. That's a good summary. That's so awesome. 
thank you, thank you. Did you use Temple's uh, that uh, what, I think it's a launch pad or something? Like it's like uh, mm-hmm. they have that in the sack. Did you? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I didn't necessarily use that department, but through I studied entrepreneurship at, at the school. So I had professors like Professor Carey and Professor Wilcox, if you got, if anybody's listening or familiar with them, who were extremely helpful in like the launching of my, my business. Mm-hmm. We had a course called Start a Business in 100 Days. And I basically used this business as like my project for the course. And I launched while I was in school. Oh, so sick. it was pretty dope. So it was like, uh, it was times where like, I would literally like put a sign on the door and say like, off the class, I'll be back in an hour. And like, it got to the point. <laughs> Where my customers like they knew that like oh L's at class he'll be back let me come back in a few but like, yeah I saw you at class dude uh, you're doing a great job continue what you're doing that's and I would so just run back cool. and forth yeah and that's been really nuts like those those first couple months of me starting the business were super hectic as far as like uh, handling classwork in school and handling business work out of school so it was a lot but it was it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. And then eventually I brought on some employees. They're, all of my employees are Temple students. They all are, have aspirations to own their own businesses and do things like that. And I, where I'm sitting at right here is where I have a ton of conversations with a lot of different people. It'll be customers. It'll be my students. I mean, not my students, my uh, employees. And we'll literally sit here and talk about different businesses that they want to start, how I can help them get connected and start their business that way, what means of manufacturing they might need if they want to start a T-shirt line, stuff like that. And we literally just incubate within the store, which is, makes it so much better because it's a business environment. It's run by an entrepreneur. So you get all that firsthand information from somebody who does this for a living. So Sick. it's amazing. It's definitely amazing. Wow. So, that's that's awesome. one of the things I plan on going next with an incubator. Sick. I it, yeah, yeah, I dig it a lot. We're both, mm-hmm. like, Jack and I are both really in- are into that too, like for ourselves and uh, the people around us, like being able to like mentor other people who want right. to maybe start their own like podcast or something you know we're super mm-hmm. we're super into that so that's really awesome that you get you get to do that with your with your employees 100 i always tell everybody like if i gather all of this knowledge and hold it to myself it was a waste of time yeah yeah if that makes sense yeah it was a waste if i didn't get the chance to pass it on to somebody else to do what i did three times faster yeah that's the main goal and objective yeah for me, handling all of these meetings back there so they can do what i did three times, 10 times quicker than I did that. That's, that's how you build up your community. Yeah. I think there was a Tony oh, Morrison yeah. quote that, that said that like what you do with your knowledge is you put it back. So I, I forget which, what it is. I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's been I, popping I, I know up. what you're talking yeah, about. Yep. That's cool. I, that's the ideal. That's like the idea behind everything. Yeah. That's my motivation. Amazing. Oh yeah. Amazing. Um, so like we mentioned earlier, part of the reason we brought you on was because we heard a bit about, you know, what happened to your business. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, exactly how you got caught in the crossfire of the looting um, and just kind of how you feel about everything that happened? Yeah, well, I can't tell you how I got caught in the crossfire because everybody kind of got caught in the crossfire. And yeah, there's exactly. no like, there, 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 honestly, a lot of the things, there was no motive besides either anger, which I understand, or it was just people taking advantage of the situation at hand. And again, like I told you guys a little bit earlier, I still stand with the people who, who are out there protesting peacefully and who are trying to push change and taking the fight where it really matters. Mm-hmm. So that I stand with them 100%. And I'm actually going to do a little Instagram post later called Letters, Letter to the Looters and basically thank them for what they did because it gave me a huge platform to pretty much preach what I need to preach and pretty much show people that there's other ways, there's other means of doing this, mm-hmm. of getting your message across. So. It's going to be called yeah. Letter to the Looters. Wow. And I'm going to thank them because literally you guys boosted my business 100%. You boosted my status. <laughs> really? as far as, yeah, they boosted everything. I, one of my Instagram posts reached like over 70,000 people. That's my Instagram crazy. has never wow. done those. My Instagram has never done that type of numbers. So thank That's you. Wild. You just gave me a huge platform just to speak positivity on. Yeah. Well, yeah. So but here's a, here's another question that is like, can you, so I want to dig into the, to looting. I feel like mm-hmm. looting is like something that has been getting debated about a lot. Right, right. You know, just everybody is talking about looting. And mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those topics that I'm really interested in. Can you talk a little bit more about the extent of the damage and like mm-hmm. the loss that your business has experienced? And then can you maybe tell us a bit more about, you know, just sort of like your initial reaction when you came mm-hmm. you know, back to your business? Honestly, the initial reaction was just pure anger. I was extremely upset when somebody spends countless amount of hours, time, and 
on on a project and just to see it destroyed in a matter of seconds, it, it's going to take anybody back. So it took me a little while yeah. to pretty much gather my emotions and, and, and calm myself down. Like on my ride there, I, I just bought a house with my girlfriend out in uh, Tycone. So we had like a cool like 20, 23 minute ride down here. And at the time it was like the heat of the, the actual looting and rioting and stuff like that. So the the GPS took us through like Kensington and that type of that area of the, uh, of the city. And I just saw like the downfall of like humanity. It was mm-hmm. just looting going on. There were cop cars everywhere. There was roads blocked off. It's not, it's something that you probably would have never thought that you would have seen in America or something yeah. of that nature. And I was just looking around at how people were just running into other stores and just grabbing as much as they could and just taking off and literally not even having any, anything to do with the message at hand of why people are angry. Yeah. So then I got to my store and I just saw my store, a huge, I don't know if you guys saw the Instagram picture, but the, the huge glass pane window just busted out glass product that I had in the store destroyed. They were, they didn't even take a lot of things. They just destroyed. It was just vandalism basically at this point. Yeah. So damn, I hate to say it, bro, but like on a smoke shop full of glass, dog, you, you just turned into a rage room. Like, you just money to break yeah. like that, man. Yeah. Like, you no, turned into a whole different kind of, if you had, if you had stood outside your shit and been like, 20 bucks you can come in here fuck this yeah, shit out 100%. you want to get all your money back <laughs> that's actually one that was a rage room was actually a business i had a business idea that i had like two summers ago that i was gonna you accidentally open one you didn't even realize it, <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> literally Damn. definitely did. it was insane that's but. wild do, do you have like uh now nah, i mean you know you don't have to answer this if it's like mm-hmm. you know, post all but do you have a dollar amount on like what the damage was it's high. <laughs> like, it's high. Let's yeah. just let's just say that it's, it's pretty high. So I mean, I can just give you guys a bit of information. Any like order that I usually place throughout the, uh, I go through an order probably every two weeks. Uh, they upwards around four to five grand easy of just mm-hmm. product, just to replenish the product that we sold that week. And when I got to the store, it was probably about easy like five grand and damage just in glassware and like grass. So. Damn. Not and it was the window too. Yeah. yeah. So there, there was a lot, but at the end of the day, like some, somebody started a GoFundMe page, and I didn't even really want to GoFundMe. I'm just like a dude that just gets it off the muscle, and I just get back, and I have a strong mentality, and I just didn't want to feel like I had a handout, but they started it for me anyway, and that GoFundMe really showed me how much community means. Like so many people just came together and just supported me and my small business, and like my dreams and my ambitions and said nothing but just keep going everything's going to be better you're going to get through this yeah. and they helped me yeah. out so it definitely like brought attention to like how much community and unity means yeah to humans yeah. so i couldn't ask for anything else yeah honestly. oh my gosh the looting was so sad for me um as i mentioned earlier the store that i work at that i that i'm mm-hmm. one of the managers got looted for any of the viewers that don't know and and it also got set on fire that yeah. when I first like you know I'm I'm all for Black Lives Matter like you know and I also totally understand the anger like I cannot t- like I cannot tell someone else how to not feel that anger but also yeah. when you get caught caught in the crossfire you're also like fuck like that that is my second home I love I love where yeah. I work so much I love my family I call them my family so much and I'm so happy no one got hurt that's also yeah. the priority that no one got hurt but I I definitely cried. I, I cried yeah. really hard when I, I found out. Yes, it was. It's so. It was so heartbreaking to see, and then also seeing that there's a video of someone biking just running through Walnut and Chestnut, and that was. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there are probably a lot of people who were just doing it for opportunity. Like, hey, like, hey, it's like, if it looks like it's free products. Believe it or not, yeah. When I got to the store, I had called my dad and my uncle, and I told them to meet me here so they could help me like starting the cleanup process. We're in here cleaning up, and literally about four people actually tried to come in and, and still loot while we were in here just cleaning up. And for real, yep, they like ran nah. up, tried to put their mask on, and hop over into the window. And I'm like, dude, what, what the fuck? What are you guys doing? Like, we're in here trying to clean up. You see this? Like, why would you even try to attempt to do something like that? Right. Like, nah, go, go pick up a broom and sweep up some glass. Yeah. Like, 
Come on. Right, man. exactly. That wouldn't have worked for me, dog. Yeah. I would have. I would have been. I would have got arrested. No, I, I, I didn't want to say that on camera, but <laughs> my camera wasn't as simple as that. that. You didn't see me on camera. UFC. I would have been like Superman punches and doing cards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's. Oh my gosh. So. Did they realize that you own the place though? Or did they just kind of see somebody in there and they was like, oh, I guess they're looting too? I think that was their idea, but I don't know how you could mistake mistake us for looters when all of us have brooms. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to clean up the community. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So. So I guess. I mean, again, it's like one of the the biggest debates right now. And uh, I guess if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, you don't have to. But it's Mm -hmm. the biggest topic right now. Uh, How do you feel about the looting in general? It depends. Mm -hmm. It depends. Like, it's just it's such a touchy topic, like you said. Mm -hmm. And and again, I still stand with the people. I still I understand their anger and frustration and the reasoning why the ones who are looting, who are actually like protesting and trying to get their message across. But I just don't think that small businesses are the ones to target, unfortunately. Absolutely not. We are not the ones to be targeted, especially within your community, the ones that are here. Like somebody like me, who I dedicate like tons of time, like hours of my day to just talk to people and and, and give them game or knowledge on how to start their own business, basically. Right, right. So you you don't want to do that, honestly, because... It just sucks, and especially in like the black community. I, I I don't know. I had an analogy. You guys might want to edit. I don't know how you want to edit it or whatever. But I said like, if you destroy one, let's say like create the scenario. You have a black man who maybe he came from poverty and had to do things that he wasn't proud of, but he did them anyway to make ends meet. He changes his life around, starts his business, and then COVID hits, and then he's out of business for three months. Now his business is on life support basically, and then you come and loot his store and steal all his product that he has to sell right before the city kind of opens back up. He's now at rock bottom again. Now, what do you think that that man is going to go out and do mm-hmm. to make ends meet? He's going to do whatever he's got to do. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now basically you guys protesting and looting a small business is now affecting a black man who not, and it doesn't have to be black. Man. It could be anybody, but in the scenario it could be a black man. And you're going to make him turn around and do things that he never wanted to go back and do. Mm-hmm. And let's say he gets arrested. Now he's in prison. Mm-hmm. Now what is his family doing? You now just destroyed not just one person, but you destroyed four other people, a mother, a son, a daughter, whoever. And now they're stuck to try and figure things out. And that's how you keep us down, mm-hmm. basically, in my mind. Mm-hmm. So destroying those Absolutely. small businesses are super, it, it's just, you, you should not do that. Right. And it's different for a corporate. It doesn't make it right. But it is different for a corporation. They are they make tons of money and stuff like that, and they can rebuild. And but a small business might not be able to. And everybody brings up, oh, he had insurance, she had insurance. That business will be fine. It doesn't really work like that. Those are coming from people who are not business owners. They're, that's coming from people who are not business owners and who yeah. don't understand the aspect of insurance itself. You just think, oh, something happens, you can put a claim in. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. I had I, I met with Urban Outfitters, and they have a guy who uh he did he does he um has a hair salon or whatever and he his business was looted and unfortunately it sucks that he was hit by covid as well so he couldn't make his insurance payment so now his insurance lapsed and then his business Mm. was looted and now what is he what is he to do right so all of that could have been avoided if his business just wasn't looted. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. it just sucks and people just don't understand that, that comment or say insurance this, insurance that. No, there's, it's a lot more complicated than just putting in a claim. Right. And my, Absolutely. Instance, my, uh, my bad, I'm going to control it. But in my instance, no, like, we had a sprinkler incident where the sprinklers went off in the building and the water rained down into, in my, into my store. We put a claim in for that. Our insurance is most likely shaky now for this scenario and yeah. now we could have put in a claim for this now they might drop us or they might shoot our rates all the way up to the sky right so dealing with those uh dealing with those incidents like those types of uh i can't figure out the word right now but dealing with those factors that's the word right there they all play a part in the decision making of a small business owner because we don't have the options of a corporation right corporations have way more options than us yeah we as small business owners, we do not. Yeah. So it's all about how you move forward. And and something I thought about too, because 
like, like I said, like, I'm so thankful that I, I do work for a corporation mm -hmm. and I know that they make enough money to be able to, to, to build up. Like we, like, like literally like in our call with uh, other like higher ups, they were like, like the merchandise we can replace, mm -hmm. you know, right. um, life we cannot. And, 100%. and, and, but it's, and it's still one of those things too, that like something that I also thought about that I was scared of, like, how will this affect, you know, for us are the more, uh, we make in our store, um, mm -hmm. the more hours we can allocate to our employees. And now if we have like, you know, if there's less then you know, like what, what bottom line is going to be cut to. And, right. and like my employees already don't make as much money. And sometimes, like sometimes if we're not making a lot, sometimes they also don't get a lot of hours. So then it's also like, well, you're also taking away from the same people that are uh, uh, potentially also in the same situation where you are, that, that, they, that they need this job and mm -hmm. it's still so it's still so weird it's still so touchy and i get so uncomfortable talking about it just because like, mm -hmm. it's such a touchy touchy topic because yeah like yeah. we have to think about the anger but it's also like it was mis misdirected 100%. it happened so, in like, fordham i'm yeah. originally from from the bronx and it happened really close to where i used to live mm -hmm. all the businesses there and it's like already like a kind of it's, it's small businesses like like it was like a, a business district but it's like rainbow and easy pickings kind of deal and like mm -hmm. you know we buy gold you know we'll give you cash and uh -huh. deals and like uh and all local stuff and and that got looted and destroyed and it's just so sad um mm -hmm. yeah yeah 100 i did a interview with one american news it's a it's a news station i'm pretty sure it's based in like dc and the reporter she asked me uh, the question of, so what is the right, right way to protest? And my response to that basically was, there is no right answer. There is no right answer. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. You know, I, 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 <laughs> well, I, I just, I feel like I have like, you know, I, I personally, I feel like looting is like one of those really interesting things that it's like, it's effective. Like mm -hmm. it draws a lot of attention to like what's going on. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, like you said, as a small business owner, you know, recovering from this is not easy. Like my parents own a print shop and, you know, in Norfolk, Virginia, mm -hmm. and just to, you know, their insurance might keep them from going into debt, right? but it's not going to rebuild their business. Mm -hmm. Like if their shit is gone, their shit is gone. And, you know, they're at the age where like, you know, they're not going to suddenly find another you know, business, like, right. you know, or they're not going to suddenly like, they've already developed equity. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, this is the, this is the product of like 30 years of their life and it could mm -hmm. be gone. Like all In of a sudden. matter of seconds. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like, you know, you know, you know, these corporations that can rebuild and all that, but say like, you know, somebody, there's a family, you know, maybe like the husband is, you know, he's been laid off because of COVID-19 yeah. and now, you know, the mom works at Target and she lost her job because her targets burned down so now it's like all right so what is she gonna do so now it's it's a struggle there too so it's it's one of those survive. weird things where it's yeah so it's one of those weird things where it's saying like okay you know it this is an effective it, it just simply is effective but it's mm -hmm. also like you know what is the cost it's yeah. what's the cost though because it's like you and there's no way to accurately measure that cost like you can't yeah. say like here's the number of people that work at target whose husbands are laid off right now yeah. mm -hmm. and or whose significant others are laid off and here's the number of people at target who got kids and like all it's this already shit. like right. unemployment it's already high you know it's just like what now we're just kind yeah. of struggling and yeah, yeah. Not, not, but it's the the whole the whole thing though is that i just feel like you know looting is one of those things that i feel like overall and I'm just, I mean, I'm just going to go out and say it. I just feel like it's wrong in general. You hurt, I feel like you hurt more people than you help, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. generally. And it has the added benefit. And I think this is the thing that in America we overlook is that we're so used to having adversarial relationships with the people that we don't agree with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is all the Trump supporters and everybody who's against Black Lives Matter and everybody who's like against, you know, all these protests against police brutality they're still Americans and as a unit we have to make this country fucking run like we got to mm -hmm. make this shit happen and so we need everybody to care about each other and the thing is is like the more that we like rely on like anger and violence the thing about fighting is like when you fight 
it makes people fight back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like looting is very effective, but it also turns a lot of people away mm-hmm. from the whole thing, like mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah. It's like one of the things that they found, like, you know, during the time of like the initial civil rights movement, they found that a lot of like, you know, looting, like, in, and basically in every instance when there's been a lot of looting and rioting, it has actually like lowered like the overall American support for whatever the movement is. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's one of those weird things where it's like, it's like the whole, the anger is completely understandable. Like the way it was described to me recently was like, imagine, I saw this video where it was like, imagine that, you know, you got, you know, white people, you got black people and we're playing Monopoly. And for the first 40 turns, the white people get to pass go and the black people don't get to collect anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, after 40 turns, the white people brought up, bought up all the property. They got all the money. They said, black folks, now you can collect money and now you can try to buy property. But it's all like it's all gone. Like, you know, they already mm-hmm. got such a head start. And the way that uh, the video ended was saying that you guys are lucky that all that black people want is equality and not revenge. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it makes perfect sense. Yes. But at the end of the day, you have to think, you know, it's like when you, like Muhammad Gandhi, I think would always say something along the lines of, also that that motherfucker was a rapist. I don't know. (laughs) We should be calling this motherfucker anyway. Don't know. Don't think so. (laughs) But what he said was, you know, uh, you lose something along the, like along the lines of every time you you get angry you lose Mm -hmm. and i think that if you want to try to be as effective as possible you can't rely on anger and like the first thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because like looting and rioting is a lot of times it's just a reaction born out of anger yeah you know it's not a measured i i when i think about looting and i think you make great points jack I, i i and i think you know um i think inherently like looting is is wrong if we also just kind of think about it like yeah like we hurt more people and i guess what makes me young like because i uh i don't know like um it's one of those things i i read something and and someone didn't understand the looting right and someone replied to that person uh saying that imagine if if all your life you weren't listened to you were unheard you know peaceful protest didn't work like mm-hmm. you know like there's always a problem no matter you know you know no matter what this movement does peacefully people haven't listened you know there hasn't been change and, and then sure. all of a sudden you know then someone throws a tantrum in in like a classroom you know imagine if you're in a classroom and, and a, a person or a student is like throwing a tantrum because they're not being seen or heard and and that's exactly what's happening is you know like how much should people a community be pushed until they're finally heard and seen mm-hmm. and and it's it's one of those things where like yeah like looting is effective because it's finally getting people to to listen uh, or at least look at them uh, and unfortunately yeah maybe it doesn't always respond with like you know uh uh with uh, i guess in a positive light and but it's like it got someone to to, to to finally turn around and i that's that's where i i I look at, and then also whenever I think about looting and the, and the, the rhetoric around the looting, specifically by certain people, calling them thugs, calling them animals, I it makes me so uncomfortable to 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 add to have that fuel added to the fire already. Like it's a very derogatory derogatory term already to call black person a thug. Like that, like and that I don't know. I just it so makes me. I'm like I like I don't. You know, it's just like they're 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 not they're hurt and they're angry and, and I don't know. It just makes me so I don't know. I don't know if I if I if anyone is following me wherever I'm going with no, this. No, I'm getting your points for sure. You know, like yeah. their own president is calling them a thug. Like what? Like it, you can't. There's there's no like yeah. nothing that any if like you're racist. It's you're, you're racist because you're, you're you're judging someone based on your skin color on, on someone else's mm-hmm. skin color no matter what you do and i'm i'm realizing that too as i'm ha- like talking with other people and trying to like t- tell them about this stuff it doesn't matter what i say if the, all their problem is is the way i say it it's not me it's them you know like but but here's the thing though so this is so you know elliot when you're talking about like how you grew up in the city and then mm-hmm. you moved out to the suburbs and you had the benefit of both experiences i had kind of a sort of a similar experience so like 
my parents were business owners. Mm-hmm. I grew up in like predominantly black communities. I went to all predominantly black schools growing up. And then I went to Virginia Tech for college, mm-hmm. which is vastly predominantly white. Mm-hmm. It was like 93% when I was going there. It was like wild. It was a complete entire culture shock. It was like the complete opposite experience of what I had. But what ended up happening is that I ended up getting to know a lot of like white folks that don't know anybody who's not white. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is like a lot of these people aren't so much racist as they are just genuine, just generally uninformed and uneducated. They just don't, they just don't know, like they think of a black person as a whole other thing mm-hmm. because they've never met any black people. Like, yo, check this out. So my friend Deshaun, right? I went to high school. I look like, I tell the stories about my friend Deshaun went to story. high school. It's really good. One of my mm-hmm. best friends like, growing up. We ended up going to Virginia Tech together mm-hmm. and I was in this dorm and I was like the only not, I, I think it was like two Indian kids and me. And we we're the only like not white people there. Mm-hmm. And we were like, you know, just hanging out. I'm like trying to talk to like these white girls and I'm like trying to spit a bunch of game to them. And, everything. and my <laughs> friend kind of comes up and is like hanging out with us. And for whatever reason, she was trying to find herself. I don't know what it was, but she mm-hmm. was really into wearing these really old, like old black lady wigs, like just some old, like, it's like some really old lady wigs. I don't know what the deal was. What? But basically, she was like, we were all just hanging out. We we're sitting on the floor, crisscross applesauce in this hallway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and these three white girls were talking. And then they're like talking to each other and like whispering to each other. And then finally, one of them like, you know, gets brave and like, you know, pipes up and is like, hey, uh, we've never met any black women. And we just really want to touch your hair. <laughs> and so my friend Deshana takes her wig off and hands it to her and I just watched these three white women's eyes just like explode, like their brain it was like that like that fucking emoji with like the explosion on that all three of them just like their brains just blow up but it was so interesting though because in that same moment I watched like a moment of true ignorance mm-hmm. but it was also kind of innocent too because and it's kind of funny and kind of fucked up but it was innocent it was like they literally took turns feeling the hair and mm-hmm. passing it to each other. And oh, it's man. like just more ignorance. But at the same time, they were trying so hard to be polite. Mm-hmm. And what they were trying to do like, was like, wow, this is really nice. Like they were trying so hard to be polite. They just right. didn't know any fucking better. Yeah. And now imagine that you're growing up and your president, who you think has the same viewpoint as you, is calling people thugs and animals. And you have no concept of what a real black person is like mm-hmm. in real life. True. It's like you don't mean to be racist. You can't help but be racist because all you know is racist shit. But like your heart might not necessarily be that way. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think that looting, one of the problems with it is that, you know, the anger is justifiable, understandable. But to people who don't understand the situation, it doesn't bring them any closer to understanding. In fact, mm-hmm. it pushes them farther out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and that's just my feelings. And yo, Elliot, like. I'm be, you know, th- we don't have, you know, visuals for all this. So everybody's got to know I'm not black. Jemma's not yeah. black. Right. Elliot, you're a black man in America. You can't let us do all this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, wow, we talked a lot. So we should really give the mic to Elliot. Yes, this please. is really, honestly, your platform. Please. So please, like. Uh, honest, like, to that, I, I agree 100% with what you said. Yeah. It's, yeah. But ignorance of the law, you'll still go to jail. You know what I mean? Like, oh, now that now that's some other shit. Like, if you commit a crime, like, you go to jail. That's no, but I'm just law. using that as like an example of like you can't use your ignorance of a situation as a get out of jail free card. As an adult, you should still be able to go out and formulate your own viewpoints and do your own research and. I don't know, go, go shake hands with a black person. Like, it's not that difficult. Right. Like, but I understand, like, yeah. what you mean that, like, that's all that they know. They don't know anybody else. They've only met other white people and things of that nature. Yeah. But at the end of the day, ignorance of the law doesn't save you. You, you will still be charged with that crime, even if you didn't know that you were breaking the law. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think with that, that's like a, that's a unique it's not a unique scenario, unfortunately. It's a super common scenario. But the, the problem is that, you know, these people are breaking laws. And it's like, 
yeah, obviously you shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you got to think about all the different ways that like people come to the points in their life that they're at. You know what I'm saying? Like if, like, so for example, and I think there's like a little bit of a difference here. So like with, you know, like the police officer that was kneeling mm-hmm. on, you know, George Floyd's neck for like nine minutes. Mm-hmm. That's not racism. That's murder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's racism and murder to be like more specific, I guess. But like, but more than anything, that's a straight murder. Like for mm-hmm. nine minutes, you had all the time to think about it and everything. Like, mm-hmm. No one's above that. Like, no, hundred percent. That's the law. That. Like, you killed a person. I kind of got it. a feeling it was premeditated. I think I read somewhere that they both were in the same nightclub for like a ton of years together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, to tell yeah, me yeah, you yeah. know this man, you never brushed past with him, said, "Hey, did a little one of these." None of that. Right. Like, yeah, that's a hundred percent. I that's a hundred percent premeditated. I mm-hmm. think for sure. So, but then the same thing with like, um, you know, Ahmad Arbery is like. That was 100% premeditated too. They had mm-hmm. seen the kid around and they were mm-hmm. looking for him. Like when mm-hmm. he came back here, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know about the uh, the other one where they like didn't knock and they just- Breonna Taylor. Yeah, I think with Breonna Taylor, I don't know all the like the scenario for that. That seems like it was partially related to like bad police practice. Bad police practice for sure. And then- yeah. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that because I do believe in the second amendment 100%. And yes, if yeah. you knock on my door and kick my door down at two in the morning after I've been working all these hours, I'm throwing shots too. Like, I don't know who you are. I don't oh, know if yeah. you're the police. It's nighttime. It's dark. I'm already shaking in my boots. I'm not trained to be in that type of situation, but I am trained to protect my family and my house. Right. So, because yeah. wasn't her boyfriend charged for shooting back? Like, he was, she... he was charged. Yep. And I can't stand by that. Yeah, like, that was. And then curious. you guys had the actual perpetrator in custody already. It, it all it took was a phone call to figure out just do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's yeah. all you have to do right. do your due diligence. Yeah, that's and a related this issue. would have never happened. Yeah. I, I know mad, I know mad police officers and like sheriffs and all that. And it's like, there's definitely some good ones, mm-hmm. definitely some bad ones. But one of the things I'm probably I'm gonna get so much hate for this later. But one of the things that I realized about like a lot of police officers, they come in like two varieties. Mm-hmm. One, police officers. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to break up any type of people. But like people that want to be police officers and they've mm-hmm. been like trying to be police officers, and it's like their goal, their career goal. And there's a lot of other people who are police officers because they just didn't know what else to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like, they just like, you know, they just were like, all right, well, like I can make a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. I get to like, you know, carry a gun. A lot of police officers become police officers to bust their gun. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they want to be in a part of like some action and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not healthy to like have such a low threshold to be a police officer that we're collecting the people who, like didn't know what they wanted to do. It's the same thing with teachers. We don't, we don't really pay teachers properly. We don't like filter teachers properly. And so there's a lot of awful to, teachers. I think that comes down to like accountability too within the police force. Like again, Absolutely. there are good cops and there are bad cops. But when I was younger, if one of my little brothers did something wrong, we all got in trouble for it. You know what I mean? And it didn't matter what the issue was. We all got. In trouble. I could have been at a friend's house, and it was still my fault that everybody got in trouble. Yeah. Oldest. You know what I mean? Two. So two, yeah. They need to yeah. speak up. I think that's the easiest way to like, it can't just be the blue yang. It's gotta be, all right, we are, a, a, we're here to protect and serve. And if we see something wrong, we have to protect and serve. That's our main focus point. It's protecting and serving these citizens. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So if they see someone, one of their fellow officers doing something that isn't law abiding, speak up, say something, yeah. do something about it. Don't be scared. Right. Use your voice, say something. Right. It's yeah. as simple as that. Right. And it shouldn't be like that, yeah. where they're afraid to snitch. This is what they say to us all the time. They're afraid to snitch on their fellow companion or their fellow uh, um, their fellow officer. Doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. And especially so, if they could face repercussion for like speaking up too. I feel like you know if you're given an yeah. order and it's a bad order, but you still have to follow it anyways, no matter how good you are. I, it doesn't matter how good you're following. You're following your order. But you're doing something mm-hmm. bad, you know. Like what? That's where it. Uh, that's where I. It's do. touchy and it, it sucks. Yeah. But 
like I said, you have to be a man or, and you have to formulate your own opinions and know right from wrong. Exactly. Like, yeah. that, it's as simple as that. No right from wrong. I don't care what the order, me personally, that's just how I am. I, I, I like to say that I'm yeah. an alpha. I, I move on my own terms. I do as I want and I evaluate the situations that I'm in and I make my decision. Right. And they should do the same thing. Right. Like, no. Be your no, own man. 100% you agree. Might be, you might be surprised to find that, you know, people like that are pretty rare. Like, honestly, like low key, like the, the one of the problems is that so many people out there just are of weak character. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's part of the problem with like systems is that like they like like a police like like a police system and a training for like the police and all that shit. It's not. It's designed to make the lowest common denominator up to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, it's not doing that very well. Like, like you know, there's going to be bad police and there's going to be good police. I had a bunch of good cops come in and help me. Yeah. Like the ones that I helped bet. me the next day, they were here like pretty quickly. And in my experiences with the police, I honestly didn't have hopes that they would show up. I knew they had a ton of other things going on, but there have been times where I called the cops and they didn't show up. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't, and me, from that one instance I had, dude, I'm, they probably won't even show up. Like, what's the point of even calling them? But they did. They showed up. They came in, handled business. They got it done. They took their statements. They took their pictures. They did what they had to do. They interacted with me very perfectly. Yeah. One of them actually called me the other other day just to check on me. So there are good cops out there. There, yeah. there are yeah, good cops. Sure. And right. I think they catch that bad rep because of the ones that are knuckleheads. Yeah. yeah. And, and the people that don't stand up at all, you know? And like, the ones that don't stand up. Mm -hmm. But like I said, if one, if one gets in trouble, they all get in trouble. Right. That's just how it goes. It's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's tricky there because it's like the system is designed to like sort of make it so that like, you know, there's at least a baseline of like these are the operating procedures of police. And I think part of the problem is that the operating procedures of police are fucked up and we're relying on good cops to be good cops. And the ones that aren't good are just doing what they're trained to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're trained to approach situations in an adversarial right. sort of manner. They're trained to like protect themselves more than protect yeah. other people you know so i think we're having a really awesome conversation um i'm not sure i don't know like uh i know we, can, we kind of brought you on elliot so that we mm -hmm. we can also learn more about how you're you're doing with your business i just kind of don't want to divert too much away from the the conversation um uh, and stuff like that it, you know so i, I kind of also wanted to ask too more about because your business got hit how um uh how you've been with like ever since you've been cleaning up and stuff like that too um so you're able to call the cops and they were able to come in and, like help help you out with that um what what else has have you been doing to kind of build your business back up i mean more on the positive side we've gotten about 50 percent restocked so we're, we're not 100 percent fully, oh, yeah. but we're there we're managing and we're using the funds that we had and stuff like that to, to really just get the store back up and running get some cash flow going so that's good. This is our second day open. And yesterday was a good day. Was, most people don't really know that we're open yet. And then on top of COVID, people are still in the house. So with that being said, like it's still slower days, but at the end of the day, we're building business and some is better than none. So I'll take that hundred percent. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to have to rebuild the business. And it's basically starting back at square one because we were hit with COVID and then we were hit with the loot and it's just getting that name out there, getting that brand back out there mm -hmm. so people know that this is the spot to come to. So I've just been a lot more vocal on like social media, using my own personal account to just get the brand out there again, using the business account, putting that out there more, adding stories. I haven't put any posts up just yet, but just little things that's like let people know and remember that, yo, we are here. We're back and we're better than ever. Yeah, so for sure. That's, how that, that's how that one goes. For sure. And, um, so I mean, I also you've been you've started when with your GoFundMe you made over 10k within nine mm. days, which is no awesome. within nine hours in nine hours. Oh Jay. shit! Okay, wow. Wow. Never, yeah, that's amazing. It was crazy. That I didn't even expect to get that much support and love, yeah. but like so many people reached out and were just like, "Dude, I, I respect your hustle. I respect your grind." Even people I haven't talked to in like years, they were like, "Dude, I've known you since you were a pup, and like you've always been super driven, and I just want to see you succeed." So. They hooked me up, and then I did. Uh, I did an interview with a, a magazine out in California called The Hustle. They've got about two million readers, and from that, dude, I got so many like 
more so many more like entrepreneurial people hit me up and like message me and donate and stuff like that somebody donated five grand I, I, i'm trying to figure out who he is if i i, I gotta find out i have to find him yeah i have to say thank you yeah for sure was that anonymous donation it wasn't anonymous i, I don't want to say his name just gotcha, yet. yeah yeah everything like that but i'm gonna put some people on and try and find out who he is yeah put it on twitter and be like guys i need to find out twitter do your thing you know (laughs) misconnections type thing gave me five thousand dollars that's amazing it was super dope and it's it's been an eye-opener and and like it just shows me like at all the good that i've been doing people are reciprocating it right back yeah which is People people are good, man. I think overall people are good. There's a lot of good people out there. Amazing. And they're not yeah. hard to find. If you're looking for negativity, you're going to get negativity. Right. So all I do yeah. is preach positivity and being a human being. And that's it. If I, if I can help you, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. 100%. Um, so I know that you're probably running short on time. I know you got uh-huh. you know, to take off pretty soon. Um you mind if we ask you like one, two more last yeah, quick questions real quick? Gemma, what you got? You wanna you wanna ask? Yeah, well, I mean, like you have already so many businesses going on. Um, I think mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about it before, but what are your plans for the future? And you said this is just kind of the basis. So can mm-hmm. you tell us more about what your plans are? So I do plan on doing a five oh three C. I mean a nice nonprofit. And I I, I wanna call it mentor me. And basically, like I told you guys, well, growing up I had a tough time finding mentors. And the whole idea of this uh, nonprofit is basically going to be connecting young entrepreneurs with the mentor that they need to be with in order to get their business started and, and up to speed, basically. So it'll be incubator. There will be classes, um, everything from real estate to construction to whatever industry that you really want to be in. And if I don't know the answers to those questions, I'm going to find somebody for you, basically. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Jack and Jill type of thing where like you were paired with somebody for Six months. That's what I give most of my businesses, six months. And I like to see it turn in profits around that time period. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do the same thing with these kids. Give you guys six months to start your t-shirt. And in those six months, I want to see profit. And those. And I'm, we're going to push you. We're going to push you the same way I pushed myself. The only difference is you're going to have coaches now. So you're not going to make the same mistakes. And even if you do make those mistakes, which are expected, you're supposed to make mistakes. That's how you get better at, at your craft they'll be corrected the right way and shown the right way to do what they have to do in order so, so they don't make those same mistakes ever again. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So that's one of the things I want to do. I, I'm working on uh, another company called Alpha Boxer Briefs. So it'll be, I'm going to start a line of boxer, male boxer briefs and then it'll go into female lingerie, uh, not lingerie, but like female clothing as well. The same material made out of them and turn it like, kind of, I want to do it like a sports type of feel similar like to Ethica, but innovate on the boxers i feel like everybody does t-shirts and things like that it's time to do something different yeah. so what's your big what's your big innovation on the boxers man i can't tell you guys that yet How to cradle it? How to cradle it? i can't tell you but just know they will not rise yeah. <laughs> okay man i just want to make sure i'm nice and swaddled man i'm gonna be your first customer <laughs> I, got you guys. Yeah, I got a ton of things in the tank in the think tank um yeah. i got x entertainment i'm probably going to start bringing that back up we've been building the foundation of that business back up me and my uh co-founder xavier mulligan um once that's up and running we'll be doing photo shoots for birthday party live people will have live djs come out to whatever parties especially when COVID is over so people don't have to pretty much go through the hassle of finding it all themselves. We'll have it all there right there for you. Mm-hmm. Party planning, everything will be underneath that umbrella of X Entertainment. 211 Hookah Lounge, once that's able to be back up and running, um, it's going to be nothing but nonstop amazingness, honestly. I'm just going to redo some of the lounge as much as I can and just get the word back out there and build the environment that we started from the, st- from the start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What else do we got? What else do we- oh my um, gosh, got- yeah, keep, <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> I've got the, the, I just got my PA real estate license. So um, we're just going to continue to work on that, help people find homes and and live their best life. So that'll transition into me doing real estate development along the lines and redeveloping the communities that I want to redevelop, basically. How how hard was it to get you? Uh, How hard was it to get your real estate license? uh, I think it was like a four month process. There were two courses and then I took them through Temple University. And then after that, you just take your exam for the state and the, the, um, yeah, the state and the local exam and you're good to go. So it didn't take that long. Uh, I finished, I started the course like last year and like, I 
think November, like early November. Yeah. And then I got my license uh, like in May. I officially had my license in May after the state like reviewed everything. And then they Congratulations. Thank you guys. Yeah, congrats. Also, congrats on buying your house. I, I, I you had mentioned that oh, I earlier. Did. I didn't get to say that, yeah. but congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I yeah, we, uh, it's been it's been crazy. Like buying the home was like nuts because we bought it right before like the COVID really hit, mm-hmm. and then like we were living in the crib without Wi Fi for like two months, mm-hmm. and then we didn't have any furniture. <laughs> we like we're just there, like plugged in fans and the air conditioner. Yeah. Didn't do much nothing. Like, and my girlfriend, she works from home, so we had to like travel back and forth with my dad. We stayed at his place for a couple of weeks and just like because she needed the Wi Fi, and then gotcha. I needed to play Call of Duty. So. <laughs> Priorities there, you know. <laughs> that's that's so awesome too that you're looking to be a real estate developer and stuff like that. We have, yeah, there's like so many empty lots that could be uh, <laughs> used up. Yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, this isn't the last stop for smokes and things either. I plan on taking that to a wholesale distribution company in the next like two to three years once I get my fee. But I do want to do like two or three more stores just so I have that brand out there and people always remember it and then transition right into wholesale distribution and take it internationally. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. Awesome. I, I like to keep my plate filled. For uh, sure. The only way to be, man. For sure. Like, if I could give some advice to entrepreneurs out there, just perfect your craft. Literally, just perfect your craft. Yeah. I guess, how are you finding time? I mean, I know, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm extending this, but like, I mean, and I know if you don't have time, totally okay, but I'm so interested. Like, how are you finding time, like, managing three businesses right now? Like, wow. Like, that's, I'm, I struggled even just managing one of my jobs. Like, <laughs> So I, I, I forget, I, I was at Temple and I always remember the quote. I just can't remember who told me. I, I want to say it's Alan Dome. He's a big real estate developer in Philly. Uh, I think it was him, but don't quote me on it. He said the difference between a million, what's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire? And I jokingly said one starts with a B and the other one starts with an M. And he was like, yeah, good one. No, it's delegation. So that's really how I have the time to do all of these different things. So Right now, since most of the things is going through a rough patch, I'm in here working by myself. Basically, all my employees, they unfortunately aren't up. They, they, I can't pay them to work right now for like the next couple of weeks until I get the ball rolling again. But once I do, they'll be back in here working. Yeah. And I'll still be in and out and I'll still work there myself as well. Mm-hmm. But that'll free up some of my 24 hours that I have in a day. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I now have a yeah. lot more time to allocate to other businesses. So. 211 is down right now so i reallocated that and that time and energy into alpha boxer briefs and then with real estate i pretty much divvied it in half and delegated some of that to real estate so i'm doing that part-time but i'll just get up earlier or schedule my showings earlier where i'll just bite the bullet i won't sleep in and i'll just go do a showing at nine o'clock and then if they want to put an offer in run the paper paperwork up really quickly get the offer off and just keep moving and keep moving and use your time to your advantage because that's the one commodity that we can't get more of we cannot get any more time. So I'm doing all of this because I'm using up all of this time that I have in my lifespan because I want to be able to have more at the end, like in the end game, basically. Yeah. So once I establish all of these businesses and I have them running sustainably and pretty much residually, yeah. I can sit back on an island and just say, hey, yo, call my general manager. Yo, how's this doing? All right, do you guys need this amount of funds in this account to purchase this much product or How's this development going on? I can call my contractor and say, look, how's this? What is, what's going on with this? One? What's up with these suppliers? Are, are, are we still on track to, be, to finish the rebuild? Stuff like that. So it's all about the delegation. You delegate your time to other people, and then you end up having more time in the end. That's that's really good advice. And yeah, no, for sure. I think that's the, that's the problem that Jack and I usually have. We always like to fill our plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with too much stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like a serial entrepreneur too and it's like i like i constantly am starting new businesses and it's like a lot of times my to-do list will be like a hundred things and i'm like slowly like working my way down and like trying to get people to help me out but it's like well I mean, it is it is tough they always say if you want a job done right you have to do it yourself and and that'll yeah. always be the case so no matter how much delegation that you 
how many times you delegate, you're still going to have to get in the, get going to get into the field. Yeah. You're going to have to run with your yeah. And yeah. that's what a true leader is. I, I would never ask any of my employees to do anything that I haven't done already. Right. Oh. And I'll do it two times over. Yeah. So yeah. That's, just, that's the way to do it. Just, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain things that me as like the business owner that my employees can't do. Like they just don't know because they're not obligated to know. That's for me. That's part of the risk that I took in order in, to start the, these businesses. You have to know your business, every aspect of it, every nook, every cranny, everything. You you have to know. Yeah. And one of the most important things is when you start a business, know your target market. I can't stress that enough. Enough. Know your target market. So I had when I at that same meeting with uh, Urban, one of the one of the execs, he was talking to me. He said once some of his buddies started a a business somewhere out in like East Bumble, and they started like a a brewery type of business, and they didn't know that the people in that area all they wanted was Miller Lights. They're not going to pay seven eight bucks for an IPA. So now they're deep in debt because they spent all this money on this business because they didn't take the due diligence again to just learn their target market and see what they actually wanted. Yeah. So that's another piece of advice that people should do before they start a business. Hundred percent so, agree. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One more question. I'm down to answer another one. <laughs> All right. You ready? I kind of got into it. Yeah. So. <laughs> favorite hookah flavor. My favorite. Oh. Flavor. I have I have a mystery mix that well, it's not a mystery now. I'm about to tell you guys, but I use melon like the melon flavor. And I have like this icy, it's called ice mint. And I'll use that and I'll pack those two together. And it gives yeah. you like a super duper taste. Like, like hit. it's so delicious. But you have, to, I feel that. you have to put the coals towards the edge and only use coconut. Like the square ones, the ones that I made out of coconut. Put those around the edge. Like I use three of them on mine. Just put them on the edge so it cooks on the outside in and it'll be perfect. Hell yeah. Do you do anything weird with the base? Um, I sometimes I'll put ice in it depending on how I'm feeling because I like my stuff like really minty or like really cold. But yeah, that's about it. I don't like I, I have gotten creative and like done milk and like juice and stuff like that, but milk's nice sometimes. Mountain Dew is kind of cool. Now, I haven't tried Mountain Dew, and that's one of my favorite sodas. So I might have. You give that a shot. You give that a shot, man. You gotta try that shit. I call that the red pill, man. That's how you enter the matrix. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know it's going to hurt my soul to just pour a whole thing of Mountain Dew in there and not be able to drink it. I mean, you can still try to drink it if you want. Like, I don't recommend I'll it, pass. but you can try. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. Um, Probably a good move. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, I could talk to you all day personally, but I know yeah. you got to go, which is totally okay. I mean, I'd love to connect some time. Right. Um, well, let's do this again, actually. Like, I've got way more yeah, totally. It's just time for me to just start spewing it out there on social media and giving it away for free, basically. So Yeah, yeah. Especially because if you're starting oh, up yeah. new businesses too, we'd love to get you back on and, and let us know and also get a lot more tips and tricks 100%, and stuff. So we'll talk about it. We can do like a I, I plan on doing a, a course online and probably in person on how to start your own smoke shop and who lounge at the same time. So Amazing. it'll probably be two different courses, but you guys are definitely welcome to join in and check it out. And there's so much content, oh, yeah. like product overload, how people view your store, like how cluttered it is. There's so many different things that you can do to just enhance your business experience. Yeah, we are big fans of, you know, learning from other people who don't or maybe are like different from us. Maybe they do something different yeah. that we can implement. And that's like the biggest, uh, I guess, like why we do what we do, we're doing right now. So, yeah. For sure. I'd love to be part of it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Elliot, for joining us today. Really, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And again, I, I could talk to you all night. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Be- yeah. Before we wrap up, can you uh, tell us, you know, where we can find you on social media? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you guys can follow me at Instagram at it's underscore underscore L. That's the main like social media track that I use. So if you guys want to contact me, definitely go to my Instagram, DM me. DM me a couple times because I might not see it, but I'll get back to you as soon as I can. He's too busy for you. <laughs> <laughs> give, us, uh, give us the business handles. Too, uh, you guys can go to at Smokes and Things, S-M-O-K-E-S and Things, T-H-I-N-G-S. I can spell. Uh, and then at 211 Hookah Lounge, 211-H-O-O-K-A-H. 
L O U N G E. Bang. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just the spelling bee. You got one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, awesome. Uh, Thank you. And listeners, as always, thanks for listening in. You can follow Working On It on Instagram at W O I podcast uh we'd love to hear as always your thoughts on our uh podcast and hear what you like what you like to hear more of please also give us a rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts we're on apple and google podcasts stitcher and now uh, and spotify um you can also follow me at j-e-m-m-a dot d-i-l-a-g and jack where can we find you well you can find jack at uh golden underscore baby underscore jack on twitter and instagram uh, and as always, shout out to the Podcasting Network. Shout out to Culture Snack uh, Media. And you can follow Culture Snack Media at Culture Snack Media on Instagram and at Cult Snack Media on Twitter. Thanks again, Elliot. It's been real. It's been real awesome. Yeah. All right. See you, Peace. Talk to you later. Peace.